Welcome to episode 12 of Talk Commerce, where we connect the dots in your commerce experience between the developer, agency, and merchant. This week, we interview Mark Lewis from Metallico, not Metallica. We discuss Shopify, SaaS platforms in general, and lots of great conversations around how Magento and Shopify can work for certain clients. This episode was recorded on May 11th, 2021. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. Magento Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth, serving the world as an Adobe Gold partner and Big Commerce Elite partner. Magento, the code of commerce. And now, talk commerce. All right, welcome to Talk Commerce. Talk Commerce. Sorry about that. Um, I have <laughs> I have Mark Lewis with me today. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have Mark hey. Lewis with me today. He's got a super fancy camera, which I'm very jealous of. I left mine at home. Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Mark Lewis. I'm the founder and CTO of Natalic Commerce. Um, we're a e-commerce agency specializing in Magento, Shopify, and BigCommerce. Great. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so the name Natalico, right? Is it, yeah. is it anywhere derived from Metallica? <laughs> well, funny story. When I first created the name uh, and you Googled Metallico, Google would say, do you mean Metallica? <laughs> um, it, it isn't derived from that, but I am a pretty big Metallica fan. And uh, I just wanted kind of a, a technical sounding word that didn't have a domain name that was already registered. So I just created a word. <laughs> I'm a big fan of just creating words. I'm also a domain name junkie. Uh, so uh, if anybody mentions anything, even in a meeting, I'm often googling and then going to namecheap and then registering the name which is a complete <laughs> complete waste of money i think i have four or five hundred domain names now half of them i let expire probably and half of them i renew which is again a complete waste of money so i do have it's, some it's, it's funny to i was gonna say it's funny to see like a year later when they first renew you're like oh that's the idea i had like 12 months from now <laughs> Right. I wish I could get Brent.com. That's a hard one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I registered RK.pizza so that I could have M at RK.pizza. So it like, looks like Mark.pizza. That's a good it's my one. Best. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get clever. I got WGN.to. I thought that was a good one. Ooh, that is. Yeah. I, I registered Natalie. Co. So it's like, it spells Metallico. The other one that I have that I think is good is A-G-E-N.T-O. Ooh. So yeah, M. Getting dot shorter and shorter. M.A-G-E-N.T-O. They can't come after me for trademarking then. Well, they can now that they know what I've intended it for. I also owned Wadobe and Wagento. No, uh, Adogento or some, some stupid thing like that. Anyways. Um, we're not here to talk about domain names today, though. We are here to talk about Shopify and Magento. 
Um, so yes. uh, uh, the one thing I'm I'm interested in, well, tell us a little bit about your Shopify practice. And, and I know you have a Magento practice, too. Yeah, I mean, so my background, like we kind of go way back is, is Magento. Um, that's the first e-commerce platform I started working with like eight or nine years ago. Um, so we we really like grew up on Magento. Um, but then around the Magento 1 to Magento 2 transition, we started realizing that for some of our clients, Magento 2 wasn't necessarily like the logical migration path. Um, and actually, at first, I was pretty resistant and we lost a couple of clients because they were like, we're going to move to Shopify with or without you. Um, so that's the point where I was like, okay, maybe maybe this Shopify thing isn't so bad. I still kind of hated it because as a developer, I was like, I need full control. I, I want to be able to do everything the client asks. Um, but after we started migrating a couple clients, we realized um, for you know a, a good uh, majority of them, they they could do what they wanted on Shopify, even even without full control over all the co code, and um, that like the the software as a service kind of lock in, which I was seeing as like a disadvantage was kind of a good thing for some of them because then uh, they didn't get into too much trouble about like asking to customize like the checkout, for example, which it's, it's great to be able to customize this, the checkout, but when it breaks, um, it's not so great. So in, in some regards, it's, it's nice to have those guardrails um, around them, especially if they're a smaller client. Yeah, and I had this conversation, this exact conversation. The uh, what, what I what I said was, uh, Shopify is like your front yard, and you're not allowed to leave, um, or you have a fence <laughs> around it, so you have your front yard, you're not allowed to leave. Magento is like the world; you can go anywhere you want in the world. And in fact, Magento allows you to go to the moon, but sometimes you end up in, say, like North Korea or something like that. And then things get ugly quick. So, you know, you're, you've, you've got your Magento install. You've modified your Magento install so you're in North Korea. Now suddenly you've taken some poster down off the wall and you're in jail. Um, that was a really bad <laughs> metaphor. Maybe I should edit that out. But it's you can see the problem that you have. You can do whatever you want. And then that problem persists. I mean, no, it's not a problem. That solution mm -hmm. persists into the future with cost. Um, right. So I know that one thing we do, we end up, we, we see customers that have 70 or 80 Magento modules in there and, uh, and, and they want to maintain that and they, but they resist on their patch updates. And then at some point they resist so much that they're a whole version behind, you know, 2.2 or something instead of 2.3. And, uh, yep. um, and it gets even more expensive to continue to, uh, to maintain that. Yeah, it's um, a lot of code, code debt. And that's not exclusive to Magento. There can be code debt and Shopify and BigCommerce. Um, but uh, because you have less control, I think you, you have less ability to dig yourself into like a deeper and deeper hole. Exactly. And you have those guardrails, I think, are important. 
uh, to remember, or actually, the 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 metaphor I used this morning uh, uh, was also around if if you tell the client they can, and we were talking specifically around Universal Music, so we had all these stores and all these artists, and like if you tell them they can. They'll do whatever they think they can do. And they don't like at some point, somebody on the team doesn't care how much it costs. They just want it because they can do it with Shopify. uh, You can't do everything. And inherently, it does make it a little less expensive. Yeah. And, you know, to the cost point as well, um, I think that Shopify has some significant cost savings. But, um, you know, for the kind of clients that want to go to the moon, uh, if they can pay for it, like, I think it's, you know, what they need, um, especially a lot of like B2B clients and uh, clients that have like really complex integrations. Basically, it, it's worth it for them to to invest that money in something like Magento. Um, but for smaller and just simpler clients, like all these D2C companies popping up, um, they don't need that complexity, um, and it's just having that complexity around uh, leads to just inevitably like more more costs. Yeah, cost and performance. I mean, I think again, going mm-hmm. back to the the people with that think that every single extension is going to be their saving grace. Uh, after some point, that uh, you know the the hundredth of extent the hundredth extension in the library is the is a straw that will just kill your site uh, from a speed standpoint um so again the guardrails on on shopify help us with that totally and you know again shopify does have some of those issues as well um with uh, installing way too many apps um but at least they're limited to more on the front end of the site and we do a lot of performance opportunities optimization on Shopify sites, but it's more around like, um, you know, Google's core bills and page load speed. And in terms of like the backend performance, generally we don't have to worry about that um, unless we're inheriting a site from like another developer. Um, there, there can be some issues with like their liquid um, language where if you do like four loops inside of four loops, which there's some instructions online that actually tell you to do that. And most Shopify developers actually have no concept of like the performance of, of Liquid on the back end. Um, Liquid's Shopify's theme engine. Um, that that can cause issues. Um, and a lot of people don't know about it because like once you go to the page once, it kind of is in cache for a couple minutes. Um, but if you've got a lot of things going on in the back end and that, that cache isn't there, um, it can be pretty slow. And we've seen that a lot with like um, uh, shops collection pages, you know, where they list a lot of the products. The most common thing is they list, you know, 50 products and then they also loop through all the like sizes and colors of the 50 products. And, you know, when once you have like maybe 30 variants per product and 50 products. That's, you know, hundreds of things that it's looped through. Um, so, so just not to digress, but I, I, I'm trying to be the, the other side as well. It's like Shopify is not perfect. Sure. That's, that's really interesting. And I, I guess I hadn't realized that. So if, 
if you are a uh, if you're a developer and and you're just let's say you're a novice developer on Shopify and you do something like that where you do a bunch of loops on a category page, it looks good and it looks good with the test users that you're trying and then you launch the site and suddenly you get 30,000 users. What happens? Does the site crash? I'm just curious. You know, on with Shop <laughs> yeah. At least with Shopify, the site doesn't really crash. Like they're they're good in terms of stability, and even if you like, you know, generate a huge load, um, the thing is like you're you'll just get like every tenth user they'll get a slow page load. Um, so the, the there is the concept of full page caching in Shopify, but no one really knows about it because it you ha don't have any control over it. So like it'll be fast for ten users, and then something like a product will change in the back end, even um, just one inventory decrease, and um, then it clears out the entire um, site's full page cache. And so that for that tenth user, uh, the page will take sixteen seconds to load instead of like five hundred milliseconds. Um. Okay, so here's a scenario that, that happened in real life. Uh, the client uh, yeah. wanted to have their category page, and they wanted to have inventory showing on their category page, and they created a category <laughs> page that had every single item in their catalog, which load on a thousand, and then they wanted to have it so they could, um, um, I don't remember, it was something like they wanted to show at least a hundred products on their page. Oh, gosh. Um, so in that case, I mean, not only did they did it just crawl to a standstill, but their ERP complained because they're making so many calls all at once. And then right. they, they had a problem. There was a problem understanding that 100 calls to the ERP all at once doesn't just mean 100 calls on the page load. It means 100 calls every time somebody actually looks at it um, <laughs> uh, because you have to unless you cache it, but then it's not real time. So you, exactly. I guess it's what you're saying, it's theoretically possible to do that same thing in Shopify. Exactly. And it's just, it's not as transparent because you don't see like the back end, like at least with Magento, we can kind of debug, oh, you know, we see this little thing is, is you know, causing this performance issue. Um, if if you're if you're like a novice developer in Shopify and you're doing, honestly, I would say bad code practices on, in the theme, um, you can really still get yourself into that performance hole. Interesting. Um, so, from a from a merchant standpoint, do you delineate a customer that would be good for Shopify or a one that would be a good candidate for Magento? Yeah. Um, now we probably, we, we really look like, look at like Shopify as kind of the default. So we first look at, Hey, can you, is Shopify a good fit for you? Um, and those kind of customers are usually, um, more D to C companies where they don't have like a huge inventory. Um, they don't have really complex requirements around like filtering. Um, it's more like. They need a marketing site where you know you have a homepage, you have a, a collections page with you know a handful of products, and you have 
the product page and then you just check out. Um, but if you get outside of that, where they're saying like, oh, I need like a really complex like content management system because we have a lot of, you know, blogs, you know, a lot of pages. Um, then we start looking at um, either BigCommerce or Magento because once you start really like trying to build on top of Shopify, it, it, it's, it's hard. Um, it's possible. And I've seen a lot of, you know, really complex Shopify plus builds and we do a lot of Shopify plus, but it's still kind of the same core platform. Um, at that point, I feel like it's a bit more of like the bolt bolt on uh, method where it's like, all right, we have Shopify, but we are also trying to plug in this other system, this other system. And it just gets a little crazy, um, at least with Magento, when you get into this, those situations you can have them kind of more seamlessly integrated like directly with each other instead of trying to like use a bunch of APIs and just kind of like hotwire everything together. Okay. How how do you differentiate then when when you choose BigCommerce or Shopify? That's a good question. Um, we still look at Shopify as kind of the default over BigCommerce, but BigCommerce, we uh, look at as a pretty good option if they have a lot more um, products and um, more complexity around pricing. Shopify doesn't really do um, like discounts and tiered pricing um, very well. There's some apps that you can kind of do it, but uh, it's it's really janky. And um, so if they have a bit a bit more like like tiered pricing or more in like the wholesale space, um, in like B2B, big commerce starts to, to look a little more appealing because you get into those like guardrails in Shopify and they're no longer guardrails, they're just limitations that you're like, well, I need to do this and I just can't. I, I, so I, I did a search the other day on headless. I was, I was yeah. looking at, you know, what is, what are other people talking about for headless on Magento specifically? And, mm. uh, Shopify is paying for an ad that says headless Shopify. I haven't seen anybody do it yet, but I've heard that now they're supporting headless. Have you seen any installs yet on the headless versions of Shopify? Um, yeah, I know of a couple headless stores on Shopify. It's, it's, the whole headless thing is a little weird because I I don't think Shopify necessarily wants people to go headless because once they go outside of like their theme engine, then like apps um, and the ecosystem doesn't really work well for them. Um, but I think they've had enough like enterprise clients say like, oh no, this is what we want to do. Um, it's I my experience with with their list API is like GraphQL has been a bit mixed. Um, like we're, we're doing a couple like kind of headless hybrid projects where, uh, we're using the theme engine for most of it, but then we're using, um, the GraphQL API for more complex things like, like the collections page. Um, it, like that's a, a great example of some of our clients like want to have like 50 products and the variants like you know, the colors of the socks and 
that kind of thing. Um, and to get that page to load like you know with good performance, um, we need to use some sort of API to to get all that information. Um, so I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on on headless? Uh, I I have a lot of other thoughts on as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, the buzz. You know, there's a bunch of buzzes going around, and headless is just a, you know another buzzword. And PWA Studio yeah. is a buzzword. You know, Magento. <laughs> yeah. um, I do feel like a lot of platforms are looking at that. Um, I can't. I, and I've been also we've been talking a lot about the Hufa Hypha theme for Magento as a mm -hmm. as a monolith type theme. Uh, um, I think that uh, looking at like commerce tools, what they're doing in Europe, um, and what Big Commerce now is offering headless and giving people giving people choices to in, incorporate different front ends, I think is a great thing. Um, yeah. So is it going to is it going to be default or will will Magento just start not giving away a, or not giving a front end when they when you get Magento? I mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think it's going to come with some kind of default theme because they do want to attract users that can just turn it on and go and not have to spin up a jar or whatever to run your your other you know non your serverless instance of PWA <laughs> or whatever. Um, I, I do think that we are going to have that option. And I think the ability to have multiple sources for your content and even multiple front ends is a great ability to have. Um, yeah. It gives us a lot more flexibility. However, it, you know, it does offer a lot more complexity in what we're trying to do as, as a merchant. And it, does um, it does make it more difficult as an entry point for a lot of merchants <laughs> if you're going to choose Magento and if it doesn't have a front end at all, you know you may they mean then 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 nobody who is that that small D to C they would never choose Magento. Yeah, I, I think the same on Shopify. If you you go headless on Shopify, it's it's not like a simple build anymore. Um, and uh, in some ways, it immediately kind of puts you into a code debt in terms of at least the apps and the integrations. Um, we've like worked with a couple headless sites that someone else originally did, and the merchants are like, "Oh, when I install this app, why why doesn't it work?" Well, it's like, well, the app is supposed to install something in the theme, but since you have a totally custom front end doesn't work you have either have to implement it totally custom or it, you just can't do it um, so I think that you lose a lot of the value in a you know a simple platform like Shopify if you go ahead and go headless um, and at that point too I'm I kind of wonder it's like well why did you even choose Shopify in the first place if you're like not going to use half the platform yeah, no, that's a great point. And um, my hope is that they that Magento continues to maintain Magento open source as yeah. somewhat of a monolith or at least a, you know, installable version of, of an e-commerce platform that can be up and running and however long it takes you to install it. 
I know that uh, I've done many talks with Derek Harlick where we do Magento in an hour, Magento in 90 minutes, and it's perfectly <laughs> possible. You can do everything you want. And I, yeah. I think the one thing Shopify has done really, really well is paint the picture that Magento is super complicated. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't completely buy it. I think people buy into the fact that maybe the, maybe the back end is better in Shopify. I don't completely agree with that. <laughs> I, I think that once you're in an e-commerce backend, it's an e-commerce backend and you find your way around. And once you know your way around, it's really simple, right? Um, yeah. And I think like Derek Harlick and I did the Magento in 90 minutes and Magento in 60 minutes and Magento in 40 minutes, however long you need um, to do it, that it's perfectly possible to come up with a store that's just like a Shopify store the thing you don't get is the ability to easily install a theme from a front end GUI and have it running. I think that's the downside you get. Yeah. Theme themes and extensions or, or apps it's, you know, with, with the Magento connect store or not Magento connect. Uh, what is it? The Magento extension place. Market, have they renamed it by the way? Marketplace marketplace. Yeah. Is it the Adobe Marketplace soon? Like it Adobe be, Magento yeah. Marketplace? It's going to be the yeah. Adobe. Yeah. The Adobe Commerce Marketplace, <laughs> most likely. Gotcha. <laughs> um, you, can't, you can't really easily install something from there without being at least semi-technical. Um, so I think, I think it went, once you get kind of outside of the core Magento, that's when like, the complexity uh, starts getting to you. But the actual like Magento out of the box does have a lot of functionality, a lot of functionality that Shopify doesn't have out of the box or even with a few extensions. So if like if you're okay with like using the core Magento um, as is, it could be pretty pretty good. Uh, I think when you get into trouble is like the the apps, and if you want to style it at all, it's like I think. I think that's been a, a big issue since the Magento 2 is just getting you, you you could install one of those like off the shelf themes and it can be pretty good um, but you, as soon as you do that still like you get into the troubles of like oh it has a, a bug with like this version of Magento and then you have to update it and then and then you get on the Magento rabbit trail yeah and my experience with those off-the-shelf themes are a they include everything that you don't need <laughs> and just add a bunch of heaviness yeah. to your whole store and slow you down and then um they oftentimes take more time to modify than it would be just to use the blank theme or even luma right like there's so many things that the client really wants in the end they see the theme, but then they don't want it to look like the theme. So we start changing it around and pretty soon it's not the theme anymore. And you've spent 400 hours modifying the theme that they really wanted to get for 80 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I prefer to do Magento 2 builds now where they, they want a totally custom uh, design. So we'll do the UX and then we'll do the development totally custom. Um, we we tried to over the years do those kind of cheaper Magento two builds where it's like okay 
we're going to use off-the-shelf parts, off-the-shelf themes, and just tweak it a little. Um, but like you said, it, it just ends up being even more work and uh, a, slower. So it's like, what what's the point at that point? Yeah, exactly. Um, so in it, it, all right, so one one thing, one small thing. Do you remember Magento Connect and you could install things in the back end? And users yeah. could go into Magento 1 and click install this, and then it would completely crash, and then they're, like, stuck. <laughs> yeah. The, it, it would be like, do at your own risk, and everyone would be like, well, sure. And then and then you get, you get like, requests from the client, and it's like, oh, it broke my site. And you're like, uh why didn't you do this on the dev site? And if it's if it's an yeah. existing client, you can ask that. If it's a new client, they're like, what's a dev site? And you're like, why don't you have a dev site? Yeah. Give me, well, I'll give you my FTP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, at least with Shopify, uh, was we have like the concept of themes and like themes kind of tend to be almost like work as dev sites for the clients. Um, but sometimes the same thing will happen. I'll, I'll be like, why did you install it on the production theme? Like never modify the production theme. <laughs> is there, uh, that's a good question. Is there a, uh, is there a, a way to go? Is there like a, a source control on Shopify? So if somebody does some, somebody on your marketing team goes and updates a section of the site and they're like, oh, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Can we just revert? <laughs> is there a way to revert that back? Um, so by default, they do have a way to look at the themes and per file, you can like revert for file. Um, but sometimes there's a lot of modifications across files. So that can be a pain. Um, uh, for us, like in terms of development, we, we actually version control the whole thing. And we have scripts set up to watch for changes to the production theme. Um, if, if the client, uh, either edits it it's themselves or an app apps a lot of times like install things and the theme or like change thing things we can actually see that kind of in real time of like oh this file you know had this little modification and it, it commits a git so you can see like the line that it committed um okay. I, I would i would love for that to be more like baked into shopify because that's something that we, we've had to do like create internally it's it's felt it's felt better because it's more like magento where we can see like exactly what's changing yeah i wish every e-commerce site would have well i wish they had version control on the data updates that clients do um are you oh, familiar yeah. with mdoc and aaron moss and that whole project he's working on where you can spin up instances really quick mdoq uh no, I don't think I am. Yeah, there's we. I did an interview with him. If you want to look back uh, at one of the at the podcast, um, but he has that sort of functionality that he he captures the data part as well. So you can do a version control wow. on your config, your admin config. So you know the idea is that any developer can launch an admin or a, or a Magento store in some point in time. And so he does a version control on the data and the um, and the and the front end or the the whole application, so you can kind of go in different 
parts of it to see how things are behaving in with something changed in some way, which obviously is great to do it in dev or staging. Um, and if you have the option to revert in production, uh, that's good. I didn't confirm if you can just change the 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 add or the config file the config settings and not the rest of the data in the database. I think you can, but I'd have to double check on that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I I I would love that for for some of our Magento clients. Yeah, MDOQ, Aaron Moss. Um, it's a pretty cool. Okay. It's a very very cool package. It's kind of like. Um, I don't know. Well, Blue Gento from Thomas Fleck was one that was early on, and there's some other people out there doing some some kind of Magento SaaS version. Magento Go, that was a great one. Um, if you wanted to have <laughs> some kind of a Magento SaaS. Um, so, Magento Go. Uh, speaking of Magento Go and Magento One, uh, what? So I know we talked a little bit about the fact that a lot of original Magento people, Magento users went to Shopify. Uh, do you think in the future there's any way back for those users? Do you think the ship has sailed on Magento at some, at some point? And that's like, there is a space that doesn't make sense for Magento. I guess what I'm curious about is if you feel Adobe might go back to that space at some point. Um, from what I've seen, they don't have an interest in that space. I mean, I, I feel like they've they've said with the word with their words like, "Oh no, we care about it," but the actions actions speak louder than words. Um, and I think that Adobe would have to create a, an entirely new product and. And I, I don't think it's actually good for Magento to try to like sassify itself or or even like Magento um, Cloud, which I think they actually intentionally blur the lines between SaaS and PaaS, which is platform as a service, um, to make people think it's SaaS, but but it's it's not. Um, if if they really want to get into that market, I think that. They would need to develop a new product or or acquire a company, you know, like a like a Wix or a, a Squarespace, like a a, pro, a product that's actually built from the ground up in that way. The the problem, you know, you you're probably familiar, familiar with like with Magento Cloud, is that even if it like appears to be seamless and and maybe kind of SaaS. It's really just Magento hosting, and you, you just have the same problems on a different system. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, theoretically, you get support throughout the code base from Magento, and I know they're getting much better at that support, but you're exactly right. Yeah. You are, in fact, just pacifying Magento. <laughs> that's, yes. my, that's my one joke for today. Instead of sassifying, we're going to pacify it means we're kind of mellowing it out for it for the never mind i'll keep moving um so uh so having said that then um uh do you and so do you do you take on any magenta one to magenta two upgrades anymore you see people still doing um yeah very rarely i think most of the people that have um like been on magenta one 
and are still on Magento 1, um, at that point, they're they're not looking for a, a Magento 2. So it's just like they've been dragging their feet on migrating, and they're like, okay, like if I have to migrate, at least I'm going to try to migrate to something simple. Um, like the, the problem with a lot of those clients still on Magento 1 is they... They, they've resisted upgrading to Magento 2 because they know how expensive it is. They've probably gotten quotes, you know, for the past couple of years. And they're like, whoa, like, this is going to, like, bankrupt me. Like, one of our clients are, like, we quoted them, I think it was something like 200K because they had a really complex Magento 1 site. And they're like, we literally would have to take a, a second mortgage out on our house to afford this. Um, so that that's also a little... You know, not to digress too much, but why we've supported Magento One for a while, and I'm still like a big part of um, the Open Mage project. Where for those clients that have like customized Magento One so much, um, and it's not really feasible for them to move to Magento Two, it's actually like it's working for them. Like Magento One is like a like a comfortable shoe that like they've worn into the ground. But it now it's it fits their foot, and you know they 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 don't really have like a good reason to like you know pay two hundred k to to upgrade. It's not it's not gonna like sub, suddenly like revolutionize their business. Yeah, so you do open mage. There's also magento hyphen one dot com, um, and then there mm-hmm. I know there are some hosting companies that are sort of using some of those other tools in the back end to ensure that their clients are are up to up to par um yep from the open mage uh from the open mage one uh standpoint do you feel as though that the updates have been coming in and you've been able to keep up with or it has been able to keep up with all the patches and things that are happening around magento magento yeah version? Yeah, went into version one. Um, no, uh, it's 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 not been too bad. Uh, we started like a bug bounty program. I think about six months ago. It was it was private, and then now it's it's on um, Hacker One, just like the old Magento bug bounty program. And um, uh, it's it's been good. Um, you know, I think Magento One at least has been so like hardened into the ground. And um, at least for this version of Magento, there's two version of ter- two versions of um, Open Mage. There's like Magento one dot X, and then there's like a Magento twenty dot X. The one dot X is wh- what more what I'm focused on because it's only like security and, and bug fixes. Um, so since it doesn't change much. There's not a lot of new security vulnerabilities. Um, it's mostly looking at like things that are reported on Magento 2 that um, might have some crossover in the code or some of the older libraries like like Zen framework. And to get it to get it to be compatible with the newest version of say PHP, do you have to does somebody have to go through the code and just make sure everything works and then offer an update to, or a version of it that'll work with PHP 7.4 or whatever that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, we've definitely been trying to keep up with the PHP versions. Once once we got to seven, that that was the biggest leap, honestly. 
Um, the 7.x releases haven't been bad. It's just usually minor syntax changes. Um, the, the harder part for Magento 1 merchants with PHP is more of the extensions. Um, so like as an agency, we mm. offer uh, Magento 1 support like as kind of a package and we'll help them install the open mage pa uh, patches and then um, support support their extensions um, because also a lot of their extension developers um, aren't supporting their extensions anymore. Right, yeah, exactly. Do you know uh, Yisa Ritzma? Mm-mm. Um, he, he supports, he, he does all of his work on PHP 6. Oh. Anyway, wow. it's a joke. That's... Never mind. Uh, that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never what? mind. He has a T-shirt himself. I, I learned. Okay. I mean, PHP six. Anyways, I'll, I'll. Sorry. I know PHP six doesn't exist, so <laughs> I know that part of the joke. <laughs> we'll keep I, I, I thought about it. I, I thought you said it was like five dot six, and I was like, oh yeah, that sucks, but it's not funny. That one. <laughs> Oh, this is the really tech part of the thing that nobody's going to care yeah. about. Um, good. Well, we don't. We have a little bit of time left. Um, uh, why don't uh, Why don't you give us a shameless plug about uh, Natalico and Metallica and your relationship <laughs> with uh, with Lars? Is it Lars? That's the yeah. I, and the fact the that drummer. now, because we've said this, they're going to start sending you uh, uh, bills for using the near name the trademark I'm, ru I'm ruining yeah. everything today sorry <laughs> i mean the next thing probably i'm gonna say is he's gonna sue me for defamation because i really like love metallica but like he cannot stay on time like like if you watch live videos of them like they're speeding up and slowing down and it's it's like come on like just stay at the same beat um, <laughs> So, sorry, I think Lars. Your criticism of a, of a drummer. I think that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of like drummers now like play with click tracks, so they're like mechanical basically. But like at some point, you, you at least need to stay mostly on the same tempo. <laughs> well, I I do play piano, and I do find it sometimes incredibly hard to stay right on beat. And I know piano is a percussion instrument, and I should be much better at it, but. When I learned, I, I took piano lessons for a long time as a kid, and I realize now that all I did, all I actually did was listen to my teacher play it, and then just play, I could read the music, and then I could just play it. Like, I, but I don't, I read music, but I don't keep time. So it's like the worst thing you could do. So it's like, if I don't hear it, then I don't really know how it goes, because I have a really problem. So it makes me even worse, like playing with a singer or something like that. Who, who needs to be on beat with the music. <laughs> You're just like playing to the beat of your own drum internally. Exactly. Boom, You're just boom. feeling it. Nice one. Good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Oh, Natalico, the company I founded also. Um, yeah. Uh, the shameless plug. So uh, we're, we're in agencies similar to you guys. Um, but I think... You know, a couple years ago, uh, when we started the Shopify transition in terms of like doing more Shopify, we started um, trying to emphasize um, more of like the full stack e-commerce agency. 
and not just the, the development because I'm a de developer and that's the part that I actually care about the most probably. But I realized a couple years ago, there's a lot more to e-commerce than just the code. Um, so that's why I ex expanded the company and the team to uh, do a lot more like UX design because, you know, is if the code is perfect and the, the site looks like crap, like who cares? You know, like I, I think for a couple, a couple uh, months, I was literally like kind of paying our designer to redesign sites for clients that didn't like didn't care to redesign it because I was I'm like we ha don't have anything in our portfolio that actually looks good. I don't you know it doesn't I I can't just tell like potential clients well the code in the back end is like really good. Um so we do a lot of design um uh we recently did a project for a company called um Lee. I'm wearing one of their shirts. Um do just doing the the design of their their subscriptions engine um, on recharge and it's it's kind of crazy with good ux design um you can make a such a huge impact on like you know how many people sign up for a email newsletter how many the, the conversion rate um i know that you know all this stuff but like it, it sometimes you take for granted of like just having good code um, but the visual side is a, is a huge part and um, a lot of integrations as well now like uh, Clavio or, or is it Clavio I, I can never remember um, setting up really good email flows and the design of, of those um, and then just like we've really carved out a niche for ourselves and kind of being like premium I would say enterprise support for Shopify and Shopify Plus, because um, once you're doing a couple million dollars on a platform, regardless of whether it's Magento or Shopify, um, if something goes wrong or you need to change something like urgently, you don't want to have to like try to ping your freelance developer that you hired from Upwork. And um, we've gotten a lot of clients that they've been they've been growing to like the 5 million on Shopify and they just had you know random de developers over the years and then like one huge client that I was talking to um uh they were huge and they were like yeah we had a, a great freelance developer but he just disappeared uh, we haven't talked to him for a month and I'm like wow that that's not good um that's like a what, pretty common thing in the Magento else? world. Our, our developer just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like for Magento or Shopify, if something breaks, um, I think with Shopify, you can get a little more support because they, you know, even the, in the lower tiers, but they're pretty busy and the, the support response time is not great. Um, and a lot of times when you do get a response, they'll kind of kick it back to you and say like, you have to talk to your developer or this is an app problem and then you'll kind of go on this circle um so what we've like really specialized is is being like more of the front line and honestly i don't think our clients really use the shopify live chat or shopify support because it's just kind of not worth it to them um it's it's so slow and uh most of the answers 
they get now are like talk to your Shopify developer. So they're like, well, let's just skip talking to Shopify support and talk to our, our developer agency directly. Yeah, that's good. All right, so I'll give, I'm gonna give you my shameless plug. Um, and uh, uh, we are planning a hackathon. It'll be an Adobe hackathon. It's gonna be in January and it's gonna be in Orlando, Florida. So what? right now we're getting Disney buy-in. World? Disney World, you got it, Disney World. So um, we've, we, our events person, Madeline, has floated this idea. And uh, I started thinking to myself, why haven't we done any, why hasn't anybody done anything in Orlando? Um, so um, we are, yes, planning on something, uh, some kind of a hackathon. We would like to include the merchant docs and, and, and ADLS, Magenta Adobe Learning Services as well. So I think it would be super exciting if we could get more of the Adobe community in on this. This will be a completely community-based event, just like your typical hackathons. Uh, so, but it'll be in Orlando. So we're thinking maybe a Friday, maybe a Thursday. I don't know, we haven't quite figured out the days yet, but certainly there'll be time in the evening, weekends to do the, the whole theme park as well. Nice. Yeah, after a couple years of Vegas. Yeah, after a couple years of Vegas, I would love to do some Disney World instead. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. This has been fun. I, I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you and uh, I actually learned a ton about Shopify today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out if you want to talk Shopify. Um, anymore and uh and anyone that's listening you know feel free to reach out um my email is mark at natalico.com feel free to email me directly and uh, um i will give you my honest opinion great yeah and uh it, that's one last thing i meant to say that i appreciate that you do give your honest opinion on social media and wherever <laughs> But we will put your contact in the show notes. If you have anything, like if you want to send me any any extra links, I'll put those in the show notes. And uh, great. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. With Gentle Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth, serving the world as an Adobe Gold partner and Big Commerce Elite partner. With Gentle the code of commerce. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.